Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. Uh, and I'm Jason Kyle. Uh, you can find me on any social media at That Might Be Cool, or you can check out my website, thatmightbecool.com. Uh, that's where you can find the Living Dead Minute and the Savage Land podcast, which are the two podcasts that I currently uh, host and produce. Cool. And today on Man of Steel, we are talking about minute number 55 of Man of Steel. And it starts with Lois Lane trying to persuade Clark, Kal-El, J- Joe, Greenhorn, <laughs> Greenhorn, all the names that we've heard <laughs> before, yeah, into revealing himself. Uh, and then the minute ends with Clark uh, saying some very hurtful words to Jonathan Kent. Um, it's uh, We're also wrapping up some, a scene from last week, or yesterday... Uh, with Alex that mm-hmm. we did, uh, and it involved Lois Lane and Clark. Uh, she's been trying to get him to come out about being, you know, from another planet and all that, um, and he doesn't want to. Um, and she says the only way that people wouldn't find out about you um, is if you just didn't help people, which she assumes like is something that is not an option for him. Yeah, um, we do get the Jonathan Kent philosophy that yeah. you know we get to see uh, a trend of that with you know the whole what is that that's in this minute no that's that's in, that's in a later minute but we we do get to see the the first sights of the Jonathan Kent philosophy of uh, the world fearing a person oh like yeah Clark. The, with yeah. what Clark says yeah uh, but she's right see, she's she's right about um, like you know this he's never not going to want to help people. Absolutely you know, not. Because, uh, you know, in my eyes, I feel Superman is all good all the time and not all powerful. But, you know, yeah, that's my opinion. It's, it's very, like, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this uh, this whole fear that, that Jonathan Kent has because, I like, I understand that, that people will fear, you know, uh, an alien, a godlike alien, you know, coming down. But uh, other than that fear, what harm do you think it could do for... For people to know he's there, you know what I mean. Like, just, yeah. just because they're afraid of him doesn't necessarily mean that there's any harm done. And so I don't know. I don't know. I have a hard time with what he's actually afraid of. Um. Well, I, yeah. There could be. You know, some people will always find like they've been offended somehow, some way. Absolutely, especially <laughs> when it gets to something with um that you know, the, especially the line at the end of the movie. Uh, how mm-hmm. are you going to know that a Superman character is going to act in the best interests of America? You know, through comic books and everything, we're always kind of that was just shoved down the throat that Superman is just super American and all this stuff, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how can you be so sure that this one character is not going to have a change of heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. It's just like it's interesting from from Jonathan Kent's perspective because I'm assuming that he's acting out of like you know uh, the best interests of his son, trying to keep his son safe or whatever. But I mean, Clark's invulnerable, so like if people are afraid of him, it still doesn't you know like it's not like he's running much risk of them actually hurting him. I don't know. That's like it's just always been this weird thing watching this movie for me. Yeah, no. I mean, I guess physical harm isn't really a factor, but uh, mental, emotional oh, harm. Are you asking be? why is Clark afraid of people? I'm, I'm oh. asking why. I'm asking why Jonathan Kent is so afraid of people knowing that Clark is an alien. Because sure, they might be afraid of him, 
but it's not like there's going to really like it's not like there's any threat of real harm falling upon Clark because of people knowing who he is. I I think of it as kind of like well if they had found out when he was really young they could have like men in blacked him and like taken him away and you know put him in a bunker and did all that it's fair but that, that's fair <laughs> i like there's just there, i guess there's consequences here in a later minute that uh that we'll get to that you know end up happening because of of jonathan kent's fear that uh i feel like didn't need to happen <laughs> yeah i think i've always <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to that one that minute yeah, yeah yeah um i've always felt that this version of jonathan kent kind of casted this bubble around him and his family where he doesn't want anything yeah. to penetrate it and he doesn't want anything to leave like clark you know going out into the world and outing himself for example so like he's mm-hmm. always and and we kind of get a little bit more of that in Dawn of Justice when he has that conversation with his father, but it's it mm-hmm. still seems like you know he's this farmer from Kansas and he doesn't want to just have any sort of outside notion of anything interfering with the, his life and whatnot. Think of uh, child celebrities. Yeah, that much exposure. That's what he would get if people found out he was an alien. The whole Kent family. That's would be fair. Like signal boosted People absolutely like so you know it's like you don't want to put your kid through that's all fair that. absolutely you don't want but do you think do you think by this time in the movie he's still too young for that well you know where, where we're looking at adult clark under the overpass with the tornado and all that, or i guess not quite there yet but you know at, at that age of clark do you think he's still too young for that attention well this that scene that's about to happen uh takes place in 1997 which would mean he's 17 years old so maybe in jonathan's eyes he's mm. still a minor yeah and so he was a man it's hard to make henry cavill look like a teenager isn't it (laughs) just i i we had we just looked this up we we kind of did the math right before recording this i was always under the impression that this scene of of uh this whole sequence of flashback um he was much older i thought he was in his like early 20s you know post post post-graduation of college or anything like that but obviously it's not i think that's that jawline it's hard to look like a teenager yeah 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 I think that's why it fools people, because a lot of people are like, man, he kind of looks like a grown-ass man. Can yeah. he just do whatever he wants? Yeah, but it's like, exactly. nah, yeah. he's actually 17 in this scene, so mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense. Interesting. Um, I did have a comment about uh, him kind of portraying a younger him yeah. and not having a, another actor do <laughs> it. Um, I think it. I think it's actually really good, and, and I got to applaud his performance here, because you got to remember that this is like a 33 year old british man mm-hmm. doing a teenage american and there's no cgi embellishment like we see nowadays in films yeah and uh i think it works really well here um, I, yeah I, I i would agree with you doesn't completely yeah sell it's us. yeah it, like it doesn't like obviously just because of the man he is and how like you know he looks like the embodiment of hercules or something it's it's a little bit hard to do but he does kind of bring it in with his performance and Obviously, there must be like a little bit of makeup or something, but uh, his performance does feel very young. He kind of changes his voice inflection and his mannerisms a bit, so yeah. he's acting a lot more extreme. Yeah, yeah. The the I like that you brought up the like how he changes his voice. He does sound like a bratty teenager <laughs> in these next coming yeah. seconds when he's having the fight. But but yeah, um, <laughs> this is all. I I I think I pointed this out earlier, but if if not, I'm pointing it out now. The, uh, he looks a lot like Tom Welling, and I think Mark and I were on agreement that this was what you know that was the goal, that this this kind of age age range of Superman Clark Kent character. Um, mm-hmm. We already got so much source material from Smallville 
that it just seemed kind of natural for them to, you know, make him look like Tom Welling's Superman. Yeah, it, it definitely feels that like... That is a fair point, yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's in the vein of Smallville, so... Uh, I he has, like, it, the same Tom Welling haircut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the thing that was screaming to me. It was like, okay, yeah, this is... This, it's good. I, I enjoyed it. I wasn't the biggest Smallville fan, you know, hate me if you will, but... It oh, I hate you! I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely had had some callbacks to it. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I, um, I think Smallville had you know, it, it is what it is. It you know it was. I'm not saying it was bad or anything. Yeah. I just wasn't into it when it was on air, and then now it's on streaming services, and it's like I you know have every it's definitely chance like, in the world uh, to watch it. It's definitely like a milestone. It's definitely like. Kind of like uh, I don't know, name name something bad that people still hold like oh that was you know important supernatural there you go oh wait uh, oh we're talking like before in the past mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking about like something that people are like all right you probably need to like watch this just to know that it existed Star Trek Stargate hey I'm not Careful. I'm not saying that it's bad <laughs> but like if you go I mean Star Trek you don't have to commit to it just know that. It, it exists. Just, yeah, just, <laughs> just know that this it. is where it came from. This is the source material. Yeah, that's that's what it's I'm like, saying. It's like I don't tell people they need to love Star Wars, but at least watch the first original one and be like, okay, I know of Star Wars now. Sure. Oh no, I, I tell people they need to love Star Wars. I actually, what I do is like anytime <laughs> I have a friend, I will lock them in my room and like just put on Star Wars on repeat until they you know finally can admit to watching every minute of it. Um, but that's how I handle it. You know, everyone's got their own quirks. I need to take a page out of your <laughs> and book. And this is how we handle arguments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like what um, Superman says uh, to Lois Lane, jumping back to the scene uh, before, mm-hmm. um, and he tells her that, you know, like, you know, my father told me that uh, people will reject him out of fear, um, and because they do. They do in the next film. Yeah. And they do... Kinda in this film, like it's. It, I mean, it's it's a very realistic sense of of what would happen. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like the world would be split on two sides. You know, mm-hmm. a group that's for him and a group that's against him. I don't think there even is going to be the the middle area. I don't even think we have characters in this universe that see that. You would argue that that Bruce should be that where he doesn't care if the world hates him or if the world likes him, but you know, he started out as hating and then saw the, the good out of him. But yeah, they, like it's, it's just a world that's split in two. And, um, I don't think I there's mean, anyone who's like, as soon as you realize that a Superman exists, that they're like, well, wait a minute, let's think, let's not try to form an opinion right away. And I feel like a lot of people, a majority of people would just be immediately like love, hate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we if we made contact with aliens, it'd be pretty immediate. Yeah. yeah. So and usually I, I like that. Involves Jonathan. a negative connotation. Absolutely. So usually more people lean to the hate <laughs> because it's easier. Yeah. So Jonathan uh, was right. It's. Oh, sorry. I was I was just gonna say I I think that it's it's very interesting because I think that the depiction of the world in this movie is uh is pretty spot on like the way mm-hmm. that the world would react to a superman and the way that everyone kind of handles things i think it's it's pretty great and spot on and and i commend them for that the i guess the only like real issue that i've uh had with this movie is the characterization of clark himself you know he's like he's very stoic very burdened you know like 
Uh, and they don't really give Henry Cavill much room to stretch his wings. Like we can see in this in this scene when Henry Cavill's playing a 17 year old kid, he's really you know going in. He's he's emphatic. He's sort of bright and and you know emotional, I guess. Uh, but for the rest of the portrayal of adult Clark, it's like you know he's very monotone, very collected, very stoic, very you know like I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. I almost feel like the this movie wouldn't have met as much criticism as it did had they, you know, portrayed it more as like the, uh, you know, sort of bright, energetic, hopeful Clark Kent with this same world around him, you know, like this dark sort of pessimistic world. But then having Clark as kind of this like, you know, just this sort of like this, a light in the darkness type thing where like everything is kind of like depressed around him. People are cynical about his motivations and stuff, but he's still, you know, like happy-go-lucky sort of like optimistic Clark Kent um I don't know that like that's kind of a thing that I would have liked to see out of this movie granted though okay I will say in this in this episode I've kind of like been a little negative about Man of Steel and I do actually like it as a movie I (laughs) I enjoy it quite a lot but uh there are there are these things that I watch and and just kind of like they, they irk me a little bit I think uh well I'm I'm hoping that with the conclusion of this uh, whole universe arc, especially with Superman, by the end of uh, Justice League, hopefully. When we uh, get the return of Superman. Yeah, that we do see a, uh, a full circle or complete uh, character progression with the character. So I know, I, I understand why uh, this Clark Kent or Kal-El is having a really hard time with the world around him because... You know, anything he he does could set the world on fire. Um, So he's just constantly struggling with, should I do something and not... Because he knows he can do something. Mm -hmm. Then the question becomes, should I do something? And then that's that's where the problem comes from for him. And for someone to deal with that on a, you know, 24-7, it's like that causes him to be more of an introvert than the extrovert that we expect him to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I'm not opposed to a more optimistic Superman. I just feel like this world, um, he before the end of the second film, um, he doesn't see it as really his world yet. Um, so that's why he's struggling, because he can't just act like it's his world. It, it's the human's world, and he, and he is just kind of like someone who wants to help them and not help his own planet. He doesn't see it as his own planet yet. So. I th- yeah. yeah I th- that's fair. I think because he was, he's spent so many years chasing after the question of where he came from. So it kind of already distanced himself from Earth and humans alone, you know. And, you know, later on in these minutes, we see a joy of him realizing that even even um, earlier minutes when he had the, when he was talking with the, ghost of Jor-El like you saw the joy in his face where he's like oh I'm I'm Kryptonian these are my parents this is where I came from so he already had that 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 distance from all of humanity that we do see this more of an alien like Superman instead of a Superman that's more about Mm -hmm. help you know uh, relating to mankind yeah and we also see it in like when the scene where he's flying yeah you know like it's not just he's not just laughing and smiling because he's in the act of flying which is a tremendous feat but it's also because he just 
had this whole revelation of his origin and his heritage yeah. and it's like all that is just like in his brain like cooking up and he's just like oh my god it's like it's like the happiest day of my life i've yeah. found out so much so many questions are like such weight has been lifted mm-hmm. off of him yeah so it's like it's such a joyous moment not only physically but you know mentally and mm-hmm. uh spiritually so i uh, yeah absolutely um going back to this minute <laughs> Jeez. um i have one final thing to say about the lowest scene and i love her facial expressions like her acting her nonverbal acting because we we said this like a week ago because henry cavill does a great job with it um but her um nonverbal acting where once he says that people will fear uh him when he you know outs himself and you know they do and she uh she basically does like a oh you know what you're right what am I, like i feel kind of dumb for trying to convince you to do something because in my opinion she's realizing that this is not a story that she's talking to this is not like yeah. you're talking to a person yeah you're talking i was to a just person to who that. just like said that they have a father and that they have a life and it's like you just told this person to like just come out and like reveal themselves like you didn't give this person any credit to like them being a being exactly she saw him as just an object yeah. she didn't see him as as a person she yeah. so so like i think this is this is the moment and you know after this flashback that we're about to get into is when she realizes that superman is clark and it's it's you know she doesn't want to label him as superman she wants to label him as clark kent exactly so, yeah so she sees him as, as a person yeah she doesn't say anything yeah. she's she does... she's relating to him on a human level not a journalistic level exactly exactly and we get that from another character later on in the universe. Yeah. So we'll get there one day. <laughs> Good full circle. <laughs> um, let's move on to this major scene that we're going to be talking about mostly for this week. Um, shall we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The year is 1997. Yeah. Clark Kent is 17 years old. Uh, the first line that we hear from it is, I'm tired of safe. Yeah. Um, which I think the whole audience has been saying (laughs) the whole time yeah i think it yeah it could also be a callback to when way way earlier in in the minutes that we started covering um when there were um uh dc writers that were discussing the script for man of steel and everything you know they said that yeah so like everything they they made superman returns because they knew that they could be safe they knew that fans were going to like it it was the most safest movie superman movie that they could they could write and, you know, there were a bunch of comic book uh, writers that were against that. They were saying this this Man of Steel can be a reboot. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the, follow the same uh, formula as the previous Superman movies. So even if it's bad, it's still going to be good. Like, people will still like it. And, and that was, um, gosh, I can't remember who said that. but I think I, Mark I th- Webb was one of them. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um and and Grant Morrison was also in there, but but mm-hmm. yeah, it might be that whole "I'm tired of safe" might be a callback to when those writers were sitting down in that boardroom, and yeah, kind of speaking about it. No, good good uh, good call, my young Padawan. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, no. Go ahead, please. Go, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was question. just gonna say that. It, <laughs> do it. Do it. No, it's okay. It's good. What are you gonna say, man? <laughs> I. <it's, laughs> It's fine. The Skype connection—that's uh, 
that's where the the flaws will uh, will come in. We'll talk over each other on accident. Um, I was just gonna comment on in like in this car, they did a really good job, uh, sort of lighting all of their faces, um, along with the the backdrop and everything. Like it looks really, uh, I don't know, it looks really solid and looks really like heightened reality. Like it's and kind of like a lot of Zack Snyder's uh, films where it's like very beautifully lit and still looks realistic but in a way that's like you know a little bit heightened from what you would see in normal uh in normal like lighting every day mm-hmm. but not so much that it kind of takes you out of it and makes it feel surreal yeah it's almost like i mean especially what we're about to witness with with the weather changing it's it's like you're not even supposed to mm-hmm. to pay attention to it and i i, th- I feel like it is it's yeah, exactly. realistic um i mean you know in tornado alley all those things especially in kansas like you know tornadoes come and go as they please and one minute it'll be bright and sunny or or, or calm and stuff and then boom tornado happened and so yeah it, again i think it calls back to that realistic style that snyder was going for so yeah good call on that one <laughs> mm-hmm. um now what were you gonna say yeah <laughs> i was gonna say why is clark in the front seat <laughs> we're like uh <laughs> it's a stupid question but but why i mean i don't know about you guys i was always a backseat mm-hmm. kid you know especially when i was yeah. a teenager and even when it was like me my mo- mom and my brother Nathan always got the back seat, and now I'm jealous. <laughs> I so I actually, I, I have I have two things to say about that. A maybe it was just a metaphor because uh, Zack Snyder tends to put women in the back seat of his films. Um, but B, <laughs> um, I when I was growing up, uh, I was always a backseat kid too. However. Uh, when I would go and like visit my grandparents or when they would like, you know, like if they were taking me out to lunch or something like that, I don't know why it was. Um, but my grandma always chose to sit in the back seat and have me ride shotgun whenever I was with my, uh, with my grandparents. So I don't know if it's like a, maybe a Southern thing or, or what. Yeah. But, mm, yeah. Could be. Uh, that, I mean, it's just, I, I guess it's just a, a way, a tool that, they used to have a better conversation between Jonathan and Clark. I mean, of course there's probably some simple reason yeah. that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, I, it doesn't just a better 180 degree rule. Yeah. And I mean, my jealousy is just overshadowed. Yeah. I want to sit in the front seat. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we hang out and you get in my car, I'll tell Johnny to sit in the back. And yeah, you can sit please. up with me. Uh, <laughs> I agree with the 180 rule. Go. I think I think that's exactly why they did that. Um, uh, if I had to do an in-universe explanation, he was probably training Clark on how to do some farming technique, and Martha Kent was just you know along for the ride with the dog or something. I don't know. Okay, so like this is like like, like in the truck like we before, got like this conversation that we're having. He was doing something with this is where the silos yeah something like that i don't know yeah something i don't know i don't know farming johnny get in here (laughs) uh um i i had another question um and this kind of it doesn't relate to this it kind of just relates to clark kent as a whole especially growing up and i i think someone else asked it and i think it's it's kind of a burning question on the internet but um how does he get a social security card? How is he enrolled into school? Um, is it the Kents just faking everything? Like we mm-hmm. we've already talked about yeah. this, and and they they just kind of 
he doesn't have a birth certificate unless they just kind of someone knew someone that could you know photoshop a birth certificate in the 80s so when it didn't exist but i don't i don't know yeah it, it, so yeah. so this is a thing and this is I was just going to say, this is something that's kind of missing from this DC Extended uh, Universe, but in the the comics and in some other interpretations, uh, Smallville is kind of this, like, tight-knit community where everybody knows that Clark is an alien and that he's Superman and all this stuff, Yeah. but that they just kind of, like, you know, keep it secret, keep it among themselves, and so, like, the doctor, you know, the local doctor was willing to just write a birth certificate for them and... and you know, the schools and all that stuff, like everyone just sort of looked the other way and allowed him to, you know, allowed all the paperwork to be done for him to just be, you know, just like anybody else and act as if he had been born here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the explanation for it is in the extended universe. I think it's a, it could be a little bit darker, like with the whole theory of how he killed the university metallurgist <laughs> oh yeah we talked about it. oh yeah I, um, I doubt that um <laughs> but you know maybe maybe they did just like pass it off and be like oh martha had a kid in you know in the farmhouse and we you know sorry we didn't tell you guys but we didn't know <laughs> sometimes people don't look pregnant and then they have kids <laughs> yeah so. I, I guess i mean yeah i'll, I'll, I'll yeah maybe yeah. like maybe at that time martha was just very heavy yeah maybe it's just a movie nate i know it's just a movie mark but i'm trying to find more realistic <laughs> things of it. i'll back the, the, the reasoning that smallville is just yeah. a small knit town and people are just like yeah, yeah whatever well not only is it a small town but it's also in the 80s so maybe people aren't so tight-knit about documentations and stuff i don't know yeah, well, and you know, like back in the '80s, people didn't care about you know alien kids growing up in your society. <laughs> it was a better time, <laughs> of course. Now people do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After ever since the AIDS epidemic, everyone gets real serious about the aliens. <laughs> oh my God! Yep. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> ever since Durant Durant formed up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly. Uh, let's see here. Let's try to move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, he says, I'm tired of save, but I think the restraint is important, Um, especially for a growing person. Like, obviously, we want Superman to save children in school buses and save his, you know, um, I I can't spoil it because it happens this week. Uh, But he's save people, save people, (laughs) Uh, be a save general people, be a hero. But, you know, we're still dealing with a 17 year old kid. Uh, His dad is really trying to hammer away you know good life making decisions i don't know but wouldn't you think the good life making decision <laughs> would well, be to help everybody well, instead it, of keeping it, them sheltered yeah, like honestly about? the best way to learn in life is to make mistakes um so so this is a jonathan kent that doesn't want clark kent to make mistakes like we said we talked about him this is he's so sheltered and even at this point, mm-hmm. in, you know, 17 years old, he still continues to be so incredibly sheltered. But there's a reason, right? In Jonathan Kent's mind, there's a reason. Um, because the choices that you make matter. Yes. So yeah. I see. Mm. I am going to posit that maybe in this universe, Jonathan Kent is a little bit of a dick. That's just just going to be my little my thought. You don't have to agree with me, but that's that's I just kind of think that that Jonathan Kent might be a little bit caught up in his own head. Yeah, uh, in this universe. I no, I I would I would back that. Like like I said, like he he's sheltering his son so much. But if um does he say the dialogue about farming? Uh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so so he he wants his son to be a farmer and to be in the farming industry, 
and Jonathan Kent sees that as helping people. But again, it's it's just so close minded where he's not looking at the broad spectrum. Like like I'm bringing back this Jonathan Kent bubble that he has built around him and his family. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'll I'll agree with you that he's a little bit of a brash individual. Um, mm-hmm. Even even later on in this universe, we we see this Jonathan Kent is still being still trying to shelter this child. It 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 just goes back to that whole. Um, I, I guess like overprotective parent kind of mindset, and uh, this isn't a Jonathan yeah. Kent that he wants his kid to to do the best for humanity. He wants his kid to do the best for his kid. You know, he wants Clark to yeah. worry about Clark. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think maybe if Clark had been a human kid, that Jonathan Kent might have been like an anti-vaxer and not had him immunized and you know kept him on the farm. Like I, I feel like there's a a huge rabbit hole of Jonathan Kent thoughts that he's super committed to that we just don't get to explore because Clark is an alien and doesn't have to worry about him. Yeah, I think he would have been more lenient with um, their own kid. Like if they actually had a kid. Uh, I think he would have been a lot more relaxed. Um, he d- definitely would have like hammered away the same morals and values and whatnot um, that the Kents do, but definitely because this is an alien and it's super powered and it's in, you know like anything it does is like could you know is such a extreme act you know like anything this kid would do for the world is, mm-hmm. is such a it could have the utmost dangerous consequences, uh, but it could also do the most brilliant things in the world. Um, so it's like you have that in your arms, and you're like, uh, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to try to do my best. And that's when you start getting too, like, I'm just trying to do what's right. Like, don't get mad at me. I'm just, you know, I don't know what to do. We've been trying our best. Like, we don't know what we're doing, but we know, like, you know, because there's no baby book about aliens. So, I, you know, <laughs> like, and so... It's like, I get it. You're you're uh, not overwhelmed, but you're flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. And I get it. You're going to make mistakes just like Superman's going to make mistakes, just like Batman makes mistakes, just like any human being makes mistakes or just being. Uh, and I think that is why we start to crucify some of these characters because we expect these characters to not make mistakes. I don't know why. I don't know why we hold them to that and then we like damn them when they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you have to understand that people make mistakes, but it helps you grow as a person. So like let the mistakes happen like or just accept people making mistakes. I don't know why we have to crucify them for it um, when they're just trying to do the right thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, Jonathan Kent's making mistakes, you know, here and there doesn't mean he's a terrible person. Because he's not trying to be a terrible person. Uh, he's learning just as much as Clark is learning. Uh, and, you know, other characters in the universe. Um, and we're going to see that uh, more and more. Especially, uh, we have another film coming out in June. Wonder Woman. And she's going to make mistakes, I assume. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we just have to be okay with that. And forgive. And let them grow as people. <laughs> uh, so, I understand why he has restraint for his son. Um, but there is, there is going to be a time where you have to let that, that guy grow, uh, and make his own mistakes. And, you know, we're getting to a point in the film where 
in any classic story, you have your mentor, and then the mentor is no longer with you for some reason. Um, not to spoil anything, but that's always what it's, needs to yeah. happen. It's, yeah. You know. So we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, the journey of a hero. Journey of a hero. There you go. Uh, so I, you know, it's, he is trying to do the right thing. Uh, and it's okay. Uh, let's see. I wrote here, um, oh yeah. Did we ever talk about this? About how, like, this is a very vulnerable moment for the family in general, but it's okay that it is. Because of the fighting? Yeah. Like, it's okay to show that this family has a vulnerable vulnerable moment because normally with the kent family and superman lore we don't really get to see that often do we not particularly only um really you just see superman's character being vulnerable because of you know i guess the one that most people would uh call back to is is the death of jonathan kent in comic books that is a very we do see a very vulnerable superman in that moment um, but this, what we're seeing on screen is the family as a whole being vulnerable. So it, it's not painting the picture that they are a perfect family. You know, they fight. Clark is still just a asshole of a teenager, like how everybody else was. So it, it's good to see that, you know, nobody's perfect. And I think that's a really good central theme, uh, for life, man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I, there, yeah, most vulnerability in the in the Kent family in comic books hasn't uh, hasn't been explored too deeply up until more recent uh, comics. There was like there was a little while where, uh, and I'll get really in the Superman weeds here for people who might not know the comics. Um, there was a clone of Superman made uh, that was half Superman DNA, half Lex Luthor DNA. They called him Connell. He was Superboy in the Teen Titans and. Uh, his sort of I, secret identity was Connor Kent, which was Clark Kent's younger cousin that came to live with the Kents. Um, and within that sort of story arc, when Connor Kent was growing up, there was a lot more uh, bickering and and kind of like you know deeper emotional um, you know characterization given to the Kents. Yeah. Um, but as far as Clark goes, yeah, like the deepest thing that it ever really went uh, for a long time was just the guilt that he felt when Jonathan Kent had a heart mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was that story. Yeah. Which I actually... Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 like, I have stuff to say about that in terms of comparisons to how Jonathan Kent died before and how he died now, but we'll get to that. Or maybe... I don't know if he died now. We'll <laughs> see, but... <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a yeah, later minute. It's good that you brought up the, the whole um, Connell uh, aspect of it because that was at a time where we did get to see much like how it relates to the, the minute we're just talking about now that was the teenage angsty Superman character, if you will, like the, you know, he, he did have the arguments with the Kent family. He did want to do bigger and better things. He didn't want to be protected and, you know, have to be worried about like how, uh, Superman was in, in, in those books. And it was a really good, um, refresher, for the Kent mm-hmm. family itself, because, you know, before that you did paint the picture that they were this perfect family that raised this super powered being that saved everybody. So it's good to it's good to see vulnerability in these in this yeah. family. I think it's important that we we do see it in this film um, kind of a weak point for the family, because I think the you know, the 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 
worst of times is just as valuable as the best of times because it helps a family build mm-hmm. and it helps the family stay or, or grow and whatnot and, and you know it's a part of life so i, I think it's uh, it's very important that we get to see this because it, it doesn't mean that it's like it's going to have a negative effect on someone it might actually have a positive effect and and sometimes you need those bad moments uh to change gears and change direction and you know adapt as uh, your personality absolutely so i think it's important um let's see he says i i know they're they're arguing at one point and he's the words that he said to him that like really hurts him or hurts jonathan ken is when he's like uh i don't even know what i'm talking to you like you're not my dad <laughs> yeah just such some a guy who found me in a field <laughs> um it really reminds me of that vine you're not my real dad <laughs> you ever seen that vine he's like you're not my dad. You never seen that one? Oh my god! I don't know. I don't no, maybe. We'll have to look it up now. <laughs> I hope someone knows it who's listening to this. But it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a mean thing to say. It is. It's almost like one of those like. Uh, uh, see, I don't know. I don't know if you know uh, adopted children go through this kind of thing, but it seems like that's like the classic what we see from TV and movie that like there's always that fight from like an adopted child that has this you're not my real parents kind of thing and it's just it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around why Clark feels this way because he doesn't know anything else and I don't I can't speak for other adopted children so I don't know if the if they can relate to this what's happening in the scene but um it's still like hold that thought Jason you adopted I am not adopted. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, but yeah, it's it's um like I said, I can't I can't speak for everybody, but it's almost it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around this character of Clark Kent having this argument because he doesn't know anything else. Like, yes, he does know that he didn't come from here, but he was also sent here as an infant child that shouldn't know anything better. Does am I, do I sound crazy? Do I sound like I'm not given the whole adopted class? Like, you, that you just sound like there's like there's a disconnect between you and like what's going on between them. Yeah, so it's understandable. Uh, my apologies to anybody. That's yeah, listening. I, I think. <laughs> no, I I do think that uh, that yeah, I mean it, there there is a little bit of like with any adopted kid. I mean, I I have a couple of adopted cousins, and they for a while did struggle with like the you know, this isn't my real family. Like I, you know, sort of feeling like an outsider, feeling like they didn't belong, you know, a lot of things like that. And so I think that there are a lot of parallels that are drawn uh, with this. Okay. Uh, And yeah, we did learn that David Goyer does have an adopted son. Yeah. uh, And he wrote this film. One second. Oh, David Goyer. Oh, you're fine. Silly cat. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and so, yeah, like David <laughs> Goyer, while writing the film, he also uh, he kind of put his uh, experiences of having an adopted son into making this film because that plays a huge part, yeah, uh, especially into the psyche of the psyche of a kid uh, who finds out they're adopted. So, you know, maybe uh, this isn't too far from reality no it probably is the whole film really isn't so we <laughs> just why are we now questioning this part just because we don't know yeah maybe just because we don't know because we haven't walked a mile in their shoes but it almost just seems like clark shouldn't have this argument what do you mean why should like they? I, it's uh, like i get that he feels that he's being sheltered and being overprotected by his father but like the whole like it's just so 
it's just such a harsh thing to say to say yo my brother used to say the worst shit to my parents you and wanna, i want to go toe to toe for that yeah i know <laughs> i know your brother yeah um yeah but for yeah sure but but like it's it's just almost like it came out of nowhere, in my opinion. Sometimes when you have an older brother, they do yeah. it for you. Or like an older sibling, they, they do the worst parts of like the back and forth between family. Yeah. And then the younger siblings, they just like, damn. It's like, why are you saying that, man? Yeah, yeah what's absolutely. wrong with you? But still, I feel that way with this Clark. It's it's like, why, why are you feeling, why are you, why are you having this argument? Why are you feeling this way? Like, it's, it just came like it's, it's out of nowhere. And it's like, bam, shots fired. Yeah, it, it 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 does feel a bit extreme and a bit bratty, especially for a, a seventeen year old kid who looks like a thirty year old man. Um, it, it does feel a bit, yeah, just like bratty and out of nowhere and a little immature for a character like Clark. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe he did a lot of maturing over his early twenties. Maybe, and maybe it's just a good. It did. Yeah. It did kind of strike me as a little. Unknown. Maybe it's just good acting, and we just don't understand. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Um, yeah, and you know that that sets everyone off. That's like the bomb in the whole the whole conversation in this uh, in this little minute right here. Yeah. Uh, Martha Ken is astounded that someone could ever say that. Just like you're astounded that someone could ever say that. So yeah. there you go. Because um, even she's probably thinking like, where is that coming from? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm pretty sure he's never said that in any other past conversation. So this no, is the yeah. first time. Uh, he's probably, you know, fed up, tired. Uh, he's dealing with all that. You know, remember what we said? Like, um, uh, so this is four years after uh, he was revealed that he was an alien. So, we're, you know, this has been cooking for four years. You know, we talked about, like, how then he, you know, by modern day Clark has been dealing with not knowing his true origin for 20 years uh, since his uh, father Jonathan Kent told him that he was an alien uh, so this is four years and so four years of where am I who am I like where do I come from like who are my parents like what happened like why am I here um, for four years you're dealing with that no explanation can be given there's no answers to be found yet uh, so it's like it's just building up the whole time uh, you know, normally like people can do it at a young age where they go hey son you're adopted this is what happened like yada 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 and so like yes there are times where you're going to flare up and be like you know you're not my dad and stuff but for the most part people can usually answer where you've come from yeah it's only when they say you're adopted but i don't know why like you decided to show up on our planet so now he's like well am i ever going to get answers like he's just so there's no release in sight there's nothing that's going to be like well you know i'll eventually find out he can never find out and that really bothers him so he Um, responds in anger yeah exactly um and jonathan kent says like um you know maybe you're right you know uh we've been doing the best we can but maybe the best isn't good enough uh and i don't know if we're we as an audience are supposed to agree uh but i kind of Again, going back to, like, it's time to kind of move on and with the story at hand, like, it's it's going to happen. Um, where I kind of feel like the Kents have done all that they can um, somewhat. Um, they can only kind of reiterate some of their values. They're not really laying on any new values in the future, I don't think. Okay. Um, 
but maybe it is time for him to find someone new to to bring on a different side of things and which we see that with Jor-El and you know we'll see it with Lois Lane later I don't know maybe even Batman I don't know uh but yeah I think I think his time is up and I think I kind of agree when he says you know we've done all we can maybe that's not enough and I agree yeah Oh, nope. okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> besides that, I think right when he says that, it kind of it's a quiet moment for the whole family, mm-hmm. uh, and then we hear some thunder, and I think it's a really nice uh, audio cue for what's about to happen. So it's a really nice segue, um, you know, uh, with our sense of hearing. But I also think it's a nice like audible exclamation point on this whole argument that just happened so i think it was really really nice touch to just throw in that like little clash of thunder right at the end of that conversation yeah it's a good good i didn't i don't think i picked up on that when i was watching it but i'm glad you did it does (laughs) like make for you know uh (laughs) emphasis on an argument good storytelling good storytelling good segueing uh, good segueing It definitely depicts anger, uh, tension mm-hmm. in the air. Exactly. Yada, yada. <laughs> All that jazz. Yeah, no, it, it, that was a good way to just sort of like sh- kind of send off the sentence with emphasis, but also transition it into the next focus, which is the, the storm mm-hmm. ahead. All righty. Point. Um, I, I wanted to point out really quick, I so I just barely, uh, like a couple of days ago, I watched a, a screening of Pulp Fiction. Um, I live out here in L.A., so like uh, Quentin Tarantino has a movie theater here where he just like screens his movies yeah. pretty often. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I was watching that film, I noticed something in the, the driving scenes. It was That was, what, 94, and it was still kind of in the era where like they had just sort of a backdrop. Anytime they were drop driving a car, there was just sort of a backdrop that was moving yeah. in the background. Um, and so watching this scene where they're driving in the car and it's a very sort of like realistic and they probably, what they probably did is that usual thing where they have like a fake car on top of a real car, just driving yeah. through somewhere. Um, so that the people look like they're moving. But uh, I like just watching this, it, it struck me at how far in, you know, over the course of basically 20 years, how far our, car driving and movie technology has gone cool yeah no that's that's a good i like that you pointed that out it's things that people don't you know really see i guess i didn't know how they did that you you didn't know it's like it's like a car on like a flatbed and like there's a cameraman like on the hood and whatnot yeah yeah i didn't know that at all i see i want to get a car that's that is just that and i want that to be my daily driver (laughs) I want to just have like a car with a fake car on the back and I can just take all my friends yeah. in a fake car. It'd be great. Come on guys, we're taking the fake <laughs> car today. And then everyone just hops on the roll bed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can just make it look like you're driving. Yeah. And then they can all they can Yeah. They can do like Instagram videos where, you know, they're like pulling off all these crazy stunts while driving on the freeway, you know, switching drivers and going with no hands, all this stuff and, and people go, Whoa, how'd you do that? And nobody <laughs> knows. Like you know? Internet fame. Internet Here fame. Go. You got to try really hard nowadays <laughs> to break the mold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got you to get movie <laughs> yeah. props. Um, got to get a full production video or production. That's crew. all I have for this minute. What about you guys? Uh, I think it wraps it up for me until we just get into more disaster. <laughs> Quote. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty uh, dried up for this minute, so I got. 
All righty, cool. All righty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. Uh, if you love what you hear, uh, please leave us a review. We're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to start doing a weird new thing where we read the reviews on our podcast. And that will hopefully, if you guys want to hear your reviews read by me and Nate, we're going to go ahead and start doing that. Uh, I know one review we just got uh, not too long ago uh, was from someone they wrote their username as Blue Harvest which I'm assuming it's someone from the Star Wars Minute Listener Society. Hey, uh, so thank you for that review. It was a five-star <laughs> review. Um, sometimes you're forced to do text, or you have to like type in an actual comment to go with your rating. You can't just rate it. Um, so they just threw in some song lyrics, so I thought that was pretty, pretty hilarious. Uh, but yeah, if you write a cool review, we're definitely going to read it on our podcast. So feel free to throw <laughs> us a nice review. Uh, subscribe, like us. Don't forget to check out Living Dead Minute. And all the shows on That Might Be Cool Network, uh, co-hosted by Jason here. And uh, if you're if you're also looking Woo-hoo. for some cool podcasts when we're not uh, available, uh, we have two other podcasts that we help produce and we sometimes star on uh, or sit in with. Uh, and that is Stellar Dynamics. It's the uh, ultimate Rush podcast. They like to call it the uh, encyclopedic compendium of all things Rush. So you can listen uh, each album. Uh, every studio album by Rush, they go in-depth with it every episode, track by track. Uh, so, yeah, ch- definitely want to check that out. And then uh, another podcast that we uh, co-produce is Honey, Hold My Beer. It's two gals who share craft beer and odd stories. It is a hilarious podcast. I listen to it all the time. It's uh, co-hosted by Johnny, my girlfriend, and then Alyssa. So it's a really, uh, really cool podcast. You guys should definitely check it out. Um, But yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up and we'll check you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.